It is our tradition in Baptist life that when a man senses God's call to vocational ministry, that as a church we take that very seriously and we affirm that call. And one of the ways we do that is through ordination. That as a church we come together and we recognize that God indeed has called someone to serve him in a full-time way. Tonight we have gathered together to do that for Kirk Owens. And so I want to take just a moment to introduce those who are going to be coming and speaking at different points. And, um, and also those of you who are here who are ordained men, I'm going to be inviting you to join us later in the service as we lay hands on Kirk and pray for him in this assignment that God has given to him. Uh, after I step down, Tommy Owens is coming. Uh, he'll share a brief word as the chairman of the ordination council as well as some personal remarks. Kirk is going to come and share about his sense of calling. We're going to have another song at that point um, from Jeff Epps. And then Butch Phelps, a pastor, retired school teacher, is going to come and be sharing. Steve Frisbee, a longtime friend uh, and former member here at Wynn Baptist, will be coming. Uh, Bobby Stanley, one of our newest deacons here at Wynn Baptist, will be sharing. Dustin Clegg, a member of our staff, uh, who himself was ordained not too long ago in 2013, will be coming to share. And then I'm going to complete our remarks. Now, lest you panic and say, I, I am never going to get back in time to see my favorite show at 9 o'clock or whatever it is. Um, I have warned each of these men that our nursery workers will rebel and revolt if we're here too long. But... Uh, each of these men is coming to share. Uh, just one observation about this. Uh, you're saying, Pastor, why are so many coming to share? One of the things I love about Wind Baptist Church that goes back to my first exchanges with this congregation and with the search committee that called me uh, some years ago, one of the things that impressed me was that whenever a church has a large group of godly men, it is a very much a different kind of church. And one of the ways that that is really clear is by the way older men invest in younger men. Not only helping them come to know God through Jesus Christ and help that man to grow in Christ, but also to invest in him personally, just helping him catch what it looks like to walk with God and to be a man of God. Each of these men has been that for Kirk in some way. Uh, the only challenge that we had is that so many more men have invested in Kirk than we could have speak in one evening. And so uh, many of you who are not speaking have also had an impact on his life. And we are very thankful for you. Uh, Kirk is not alone. Many of you can point to different men in this congregation and say, you know, if it wasn't for that man, I wouldn't know Jesus. If it wasn't for that man and that man and that man, I wouldn't have grown in Christ. And so I'm really blessed tonight as pastor of a church like that and to be a part of this ordination service where we have a living demonstration of what happens when one generation invests in the next under the Lord's leadership. So with that in mind and with these men, each of them are going to come when it's their turn. I'm going to ask Tommy Owens to come and share. The uh, ordaining council met at 4.30 this afternoon, and uh, after uh, questioning Kirk and uh, 
talking with him, we have voted unanimously to proceed uh, with the ordination services. Having said that, um, let me make a, a few brief comments about Kirk. Um, I could go on and on. I love Kirk. Uh, he has been a part of our family's life for a long time. But one of the things that uh, I've noticed about Kirk and about others is God puts uh, natural abilities into their life. And uh, in Kirk's life, he put what I would call passion. I mean, he used to be passionate about uh, sports, and he was passionate about uh, hunting. Well, he, he's still kind of like that. He got married, and, uh, but uh, he, uh, he's passionate about cooking, or he's passionate about uh, food, or, uh, or concerts, or music, or it was just, Kirk is the kind of guy that you would say he was all in. And you know what? What I've been amazed about is God saves those kind of people and he uses that natural ability uh, for kingdom work. And Kirk, the moment he was saved, he was all in. And you know, I think that we should pray for him in the days ahead that he will stay all in. One more comment in Psalm, I mean in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And Kirk, you have found favor with the Lord. I love both of you. Thank you so much for being a part of my life and teaching me so much. Thank you for putting up with me and being patient enough. Uh, Till the medicine took, till the Lord Jesus Christ rescued me from the domain of my darkness, and he transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, in whom I have redemption. Many of you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, I'm real thankful for you guys. Yesterday, I had the privilege of being out doing one of those things that he just told on me, and that's hunting, but I got to take Annabelle with me so I could justify that with the wife that I've tamed favor from the Lord with. <laughs> and while I was sitting there with Annabelle, I said, you know, I might need to consider um, tomorrow night. And so I Googled ordained, and I saw that word in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, invest. And I just want to thank, as I look around this room, I just want to thank the many of you and some that aren't even here that have invested in me. And um, it starts with God, of course, who's um, invested in me and believed in me and saved me from myself and my own sinful desires and called me out of my darkness into his marvelous light. And I remember you doing that. I sat up there on a Sunday night. It was a night about like this with the same amount of people. And I came down. And when I went home that night, folks, there was a tug of war. And he told me he didn't use the word ministry. He didn't use the word ordained. But he told me that night that he was going to use me for his purposes. No longer would I be used for my purposes. It would be for his purposes. And since that time... I've been different. Um, 
I've been 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation in Christ, some 15 years ago. And I've got family members here. I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to have three sets of parents here. And um, also uh, many of you who I, I consider my parents and my brothers and sisters. And this call to ministry um, is not something that Carly and I would sign up for. But if he is signing us up for it, we want to keep doing what he called us to do, being faithful serving him in our lane and doing what he calls us to do and that's being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and for being a witness uh, for Christ in uh, in this dark world we want to shine his light I thank you all so much I will leave it there where's Brett Miller at if he was timing me that was probably a record thank you all for coming Lord, I began to realize something when I was just sitting there that uh, the more I get to know you, you tell me more about yourself, the less I like the way you used to be. And the more I like the way Jesus has you now. Just a verse, just a verse. No, actually, two, two verses. Paul said in Romans, speaking of the faith of the ones that followed after Abraham, it said of Abraham, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Curtain, my life, has been one to always live before me and before his fellow man as I have seen him, as if he just really believed what God had promised and just go on and live that way. And so I can say that he's become a brother in Christ as, as was said of these people that followed after Abraham that walked in the footsteps of faith. Kurt's doing that, and I appreciate that. I don't know how many of you know that I live in Lee County, Arkansas, and that might not <laughs> say much to m many of you, and it probably shouldn't, but I don't know a man in Lee County like Kurt Owens. And I've lived there more than 50 years. So he's a fine man to represent the Lord, Wind Baptist Church, and those of us that call ourselves Christians. Thank you. Good evening. Well, uh, it's been a few years for some of y'all. I hadn't seen you in a while, but I actually live in Hempstead County now, and that's in Hope, Arkansas. So I've been there about five years. And I uh, think back to when I first met Kurt, uh, I'm going to guess I moved to Wynn in about 2008. So I know, Kurt, when did you come off the field full time? Was it 09, 10, 11? So I'd been here. 
been here a couple of years and uh, only knew just a couple of people in Wynn. And for those of you that's, that's never moved, it's just, you just don't know what it's like. I came from a big church similar size to this where I knew everybody, Sunday school class, uh, led different things. And then God, for some reason, picked me up and said, I've got better things for you or more, th you know, new things for you. So uh, he moved me to Wynn and uh, my wife and uh, at the time my one son and uh, bringing them more family to me, but uh, it was a real struggle for a couple of years, and, and that's just an area God put me through, but uh, I knew that he had something for me, and I remember one night, and it was, it was the night that I first met Kurt, is he had actually come off the field uh, full-time and was speaking at a men's function over in the youth building, and uh, I was struggling. It was just one of those things where I was like, I, I, again, this is no offense to win Baptist. This is all churches. This is what we all struggle with as in our comfort zone. But uh, I'm at this men's group, and, and everybody knows everybody, but nobody knows me. And it's just awkward. And, and I'm walking around, and, you know, I sit at a table, and everybody, and, and, and speaking of Kurt, he's got uh, that gift that God's given him where everybody wants to talk to Kurt. And so he's been uh, on the field, and he comes back, and everybody's wanting to get a word in with Kirk. And I believe this is even before he went to speak that night and uh, everybody's wanting to talk to him and that gift that God's given him is an encouraging gift that he just saw out of all these men in this room that that knew him he just saw me and just picked me out I don't know how I know how it was God doing it and just uh noticed me and he just comes right over to me and shakes my hand introduces himself and starts introducing me to everybody else in the church now here's a man who just comes from China and I've been here two years, and he's introducing me to everybody else in the church. And, and anyway, that's just the start of our relationship. Uh, as I was looking up ordination and trying to think what else to say, uh, I found in Titus where Paul was actually speaking to uh, Timothy, I believe, uh, to Titus about uh, ordaining elders. And, and this verse just stood out to me in uh, 1.9 where he says, He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that is, has been taught so that he can encourage others or instruct others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And that's just a gift that the Lord's given Kurt to encourage, to instruct others. That's something he's done in my life and that was just the beginning of the story and, uh, and just starting through Kirk and it was through other guys. Uh, now as I come back to when I hadn't uh, been in, in a few years, uh, and I know so many people here and others that I've been able to do ministry with, uh, like Rex Jones back there and uh, Bill Winkler and Bob and so many others that, uh, and it all started with just uh, God using Kirk to encourage me and then uh, I'm passing it forward. And I'm just not the kind of person that has that gift, but again, God's even using it through me. Uh, some of the people uh, that just through that encouragement from Kurt has uh, put in front of my life, guys like Henderson Perkins, you know, guys like Rusty Boy in California that we met uh, that I still keep in touch with. Uh, y'all know, some of y'all know Eddie Romero, just some of the guys that we met, it's so cool and how God 
uh, used him to draw me closer to him and then uses me to draw these other guys closer to God. Uh, some unto salvation, some who've been saved but uh, just need to uh, be discipled and draw closer. And now as I live in Hempstead County, uh, through that strength and encouragement from y'all, uh, I get to go every Monday night and share the gospel with young men that uh, are unchurched. I've gotten to see uh, 10, 15, I, I've lost count how many salvation get to lead to the Lord in baptisms and then encourage other guys to do the same with me. And it's just awesome to see. And it all starts with what Christ did for us and then the gifts that he uses to, uh, to, to just speak to one man and then across to another. So I appreciate the time to be able to uh, share with y'all. Just uh, I could talk for hours on uh, different things, but I know I've got to keep it brief. So uh, congratulations, and I know God's going to keep doing this for you, Kurt. Thank you. I guess they picked me last because there's really nothing else to say. I mean, Kirk is an encourager. Not only that, what a great witness he's been to me. And I was thinking a while ago about, you know, God says, if you, if you give to me, I'll give back to you more than you could ever possibly dream. And Kirk's one of these people that God puts in your life to... It's like, well, you know, I need to step it up. You know, he's a witness to me. He's a witness to all these other men that spoke and a lot of others who haven't gotten to spoke. Now, November the 19th, 2008, email from China asking us, giving thanks for Thanksgiving, but asking us to pray for people. One of them, a 62-year-old lady, it was having difficulties, praying for salvation. Kirk's heart has always been for God and seeing people come to know him. And I can't imagine, well, I wouldn't be probably standing here, except he's pushed me by living the life that he lives. I hope if you don't know him, if you didn't hear the sermon this morning, you need to live a day with Kirk and you'll have a, a moving, living example of this morning's sermon. Thank you. I'm very humbled and honored to get to be a part of your, char your charge, Kirk and Carly. Um, I, don't, I don't feel worthy to charge a man that has so charged me. And I amen uh, all the things that have been said. Uh, Mr. Bobby said that he probably wouldn't be here. I, I know I wouldn't uh, be uh, where I am today if God had not used this man in my life. I am a very highly functioning introvert and um, I would probably be on the farthest pew and y'all would probably all still know me as Beth Clegg's husband um, if it weren't for Kirk and Carly and their influence in my life. Uh, the other, well, a, a few weeks ago, I got to go to a conference at, at my seminary in New Orleans. And uh, one of the speakers there made a comment and he said, 
when Jesus is on your mind, he will find his way out of your mouth. Kirk is gifted in evangelism, but, but how Kirk operates is out of a deep love for Jesus Christ. Um, he told me he wanted me to be a little bit funny tonight, so I'm going to tell you one story that I think is funny. Several years ago, Kirk and I went door to door, um, <laughs> and we were, uh, I told him before we left, Kirk, I, I, I don't want to say anything, introvert, big time, um, but I'll, I'll pray, I'll talk to God, and I'll stand about five feet away from you, and you do all the talking, and um, I'll pray. So we go to the first house, and and uh, the very first house, Kirk leads this lady to Christ. And she's all giddy. I mean, it was a great experience. Everything's going good. Uh, we go to the next house, and they're part of the assembly of God. And, you know, it's, it's, they have, we have a great conversation. And I'm still praying. I hadn't said a word yet, but I'm still praying um, silently. So we do this all night, and we get to <laughs> this last house. And we knock on the, Kirk knocks on the door. And this man throws open the screen door. He doesn't have a shirt on. And he said, this is how he answers the door. Uh-huh. And he just looks at us. And Kirk, Kirk said, uh, hey, man, my name's, uh, my name's Kirk Owens, and we're from Wim Baptist Church. And uh, my buddy Dustin here has got something he'd like to share with you. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what? I, I needed that. I needed a friend who loved Jesus Christ and who loved me to push me to know him better by sharing my faith. And, and today, um, I find myself doing things like that for our students. Um, calling on them to pray when they're not comfortable praying, but they know they ought to because their student pastor called on them to pray. And then, you know, a, a month or two later, you see them stepping out and praying and they're comfortable in it. And, and when I first started sharing my faith, I felt like I had to sell Jesus to people. But, but sharing your faith the way Kirk does it and the way it's meant to be just comes from a deep love and a, and, and a sense of pride in who your Savior is. And wanting to offer him to other people. I want to read this, this one passage to you. And you have to understand that Peter and John have been arrested in the book of Acts. And it's, it's Acts chapter 4. And they're, they're standing before these people. And uh, they're having to answer all their questions. And verse 18 says this in Acts chapter 4. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Uh, that, that's a good description of Kirk to me. 
He just can't quit talking about Jesus. And it's not a guilty thing. It's just he loves Jesus. Kirk, I'm so thankful for you and your influence on me. Uh, we're going to pray for you. Uh, sometimes we, God calls us to ministry later on in life and in, in different circumstances, but uh, it's not always easy learning on the fly, but it's always good and it's always fun. I love you. It has been a blessing to watch God at work in Kirk and Carly's life over the last five years, getting to know them and watch them. Um, you may or may not be aware that Kirk and Carly have been Sunday school teachers. They have invested in the lives of college students and other young adults for some time. Uh, I've watched Kirk serve as a deacon in this church, chairman of the deacons most recently, and, um, and invested himself as a leader and as a learner, even as a leader, and has been, been really, um, was really instrumental in our deacon body at some really critical times in the life of our church, and God used him. Um, I've watched as God uh, put on Kirk's heart a desire to reach sportsmen for Christ, others who are engaged in outdoor things, murdering animals and that kind of stuff. And, um, and to help reach them and help start the Band of Brothers here in Cross County. And then coming alongside encouraging uh, Butch Phelps as they've started, uh, worked at starting a similar ministry in Lee County. Um, all of these are activities that tell a story of someone whose heart is to do whatever it is that God asks him to do. And now God has directed him in a new direction altogether. He, he is uh, working for a, a company that provides hospice care for individuals and families who are caring for family members who are, who are literally dying, who have received a terminal diagnosis. And, and he is now, for the last three weeks now, has been serving in that capacity as a chaplain. Um, and, and I can't imagine in ministry a more draining assignment than to be a chaplain to where every person you're ministering to is near death. Uh, as a pastor, and as pastors, we, we deal with that. But not every day with every person that we see and every family that we visit. One of the questions I asked in the council tonight had, had to do with just the observation that so many men in ministry do not finish in ministry, that I can think of any number of men who have burned out, who have had uh, failures or circumstances where they could not remain in ministry, where they were not able to go the long, the long distance in ministry. And there's a real danger of, of the enemy causing you to serve God in such a way that you absolutely become drained of all of your ability, all of your resources, all of your passion, and every bit of strength that you have, and you will still try to keep going. And you can't do it. And so how can you go the distance in ministry? How is it possible 
when you're constantly uh, encountering people who need you and who draw from you, how do you do that day in and day out, uh, year after year, and over the course of a lifetime? There's a passage of scripture that came to mind uh, this afternoon. This was not what I planned to share tonight, but I just want to mention it, and it's one that the Lord used in my own life. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David is not yet king. The Old Testament, we read about King David. David was not always king. Before he was king, he was on the run from another king, uh, King Saul. And for a while, he allied himself with the enemies of Israel. At least it appeared that way, the Philistines. But he did it just so he had a safe place. And he would go out on raiding parties, and he would actually raid against the Amalekites and the other enemies of Israel and then go back to Philistine territory, and they would say, what did you do today? And he would say, well, we raided southern Judah, and we whooped up on those Israelites, and we did terrible things to them. When all the while, he was still raiding the enemies of Israel. One day, while they were gone, one of those groups came and raided their town, Ziklag, where they were staying, and their wives were taken in captivity, their children were taken in captivity, Their town was burned to the ground and all their stuff was taken. And the men and David came back to their town. And when they saw that the city was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 4, the Bible says, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried like that? Just cried till you couldn't cry anymore? And David's two wives, it says, were taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Now think about that. He's lost his wife, he's lost his, his wives, he's lost his children, he's lost everything, and now they're talking about stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So what do you do? I can't imagine a much lower point in David's role as a shepherd and a leader. I can't imagine a point where he's any lower. He's lost everything. And the people he was leading who trusted him, they've lost everything. And it appears that he's totally and completely failed. And he's done the very best he knows to do. He has nothing left. And there are times in ministry where it's like that. There are times in ministry where you will, and you probably already have, give, you've given, and you've given, and you've given. You've got nothing left. And how do you respond to that? Because if you don't have a way to respond to that, you're not going to last. And there'll come a time where you just, you've got to stop, you've got to quit. So how do you survive that? David, the very next thing he does is the very next thing that you and I have to do if we're going to stay in ministry for the long haul. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now at that moment, I can think of a lot of things I might naturally do when people are saying they're going to stone me. And I feel like a total failure. But David's response is the thing that I'm learning to do 
on my worst days and my worst moments when I've done the very best I can do and there's nothing left. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, you come to a place where you won't know what to do next. You won't, you won't have any more ideas. You'll be, have expended everything that you've got. What do you need to do? Well, at that moment, you've got to be alone with God. You've got to get with him. You've got to put your eyes on him, not just your problem. And in the context of that relationship with the Lord, your heart is made strong again. Why? Because you're still breathing. That's a good sign. You still have a purpose. You still have a mission. You still have an assignment from God. David says, I'm still here. He's still on his throne. And so, Lord, what's the next thing you want me to do? And he strengthened his heart that way. And so David turned to the priest, Abiathar, and he said, please bring the ephod here to me. It was a way of determining the will of God. And David inquired of the Lord, it says, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, saying, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So by strengthening himself in the Lord, he wasn't at a place of despair. All the people he was leading were despairing, but he wasn't at a place of despair. Not because he was special, but because he turned to God and strengthened his heart in the Lord. And then he turned to God and said, do I go after him? Surrounded by grief. There comes a place where, humanly speaking, there's nothing else you can do. Strengthened himself in the Lord and turned to God and said, what's next? And the really neat thing about serving God is that when you're empty and you've got nothing left, we discover that he can do a whole lot with us at that point. Because when I'm at the end of my rope, I discover that that's when he can begin to work. And he's been getting to show himself strong. Well, Kirk, we love you. And Kirk and Carly, we are praying for you. Uh, at this time, we're going to lay hands on Kirk. And Kirk, I'm going to ask you right now to come and take this seat here in front of the congregation. Carly, there's a chair over here. I'm going to ask you, men, if you'll put it and sort of face it to the back wall over here. Carly, would you come? And, um, and take a seat over here to my right. We're not ordaining Carly, but um, as Kirk takes his seat and as Carly takes hers, uh, the ordained men of the church, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to line up to my left, your right, and uh, we're going to come by and pray for Kirk, lay hands on him, pray for him. If you're the wife of an ordained deacon or minister tonight, I'm going to ask you to come and surround Carly and pray for her. Of all people, you know uh, the kinds of attacks and ways in which the enemy can undermine the ministry of your husband and your family. And so I'm going to ask you to come and pray for her, for her tonight. And uh, after you all pray together, uh, you all can return to your seat. But men, um, ordained men in the church, uh, we're going to take our time, uh, these moments, to lay hands on Kirk and to pray for him. So I'm going to ask you men to uh, get up and go ahead and line up over here to my left, the ordained men of the church. Uh, wives of ordained men, I'm going to invite you to come and surround Carly. 
And church, I'm just going to ask you to pray for this couple. It is a privilege that we all get to be a part of tonight. And I'm going to begin our time with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these moments. We know that the many prayers that are going to be going up in this room all at once for this couple, that you can manage each request with ease. Father, we pray that you would guide us as we pray for them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill Kirk tonight, that he would sense that he's stepping into a, a whole new area of ministry and that you have led him to this place and that you're going to use him in powerful ways. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We trust you. Each of us is our shield, our rock, our protector, and our hiding place. Guide us now as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.